Welcome to Manager Tools. Focusing Behaviors, Part 1. Here we go. In this cast, we answer these questions. How can I get more done at work? How can I stay more focused at my desk? How can I be less distracted? Well, we all want answers to these questions, so keep listening. Folks, Roadmap is coming. October 2017. If you're a manager and you have the Manager Tools app and you have a license to our material, you will have Roadmap in the app that will either help you roll out one-on-ones and feedback, send the email, walk you through what you need to talk about in the briefing, remind you to give feedback, measure your feedback. Or if you've already rolled out the Trinity, if you're like those hundreds of thousands of people who've been listening for years, it's a tool that will allow you to measure and track your one-on-ones and your feedback. All of that in your phone for every licensee of Manager Tools in the world. Hard to argue with, more to come. Okay, dude, everybody wants to know this. How do we stay focused on our priorities and get more done? Yeah, to change your behavior. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are a broken record. You say that every single, every yeah. question I ask you, oh, change your behavior. Yeah, I was at Apple yesterday and we had a long discussion about behavior and somebody was basically saying, behavior's not that important. <laughs> I recognize my own weakness on that is that I have drunk the Kool-Aid about behavior. And I gave him five examples where he said, no, it was a mental state or it was an attitude or it was an intent. And I said, well, how do you know intent and all those sort of things? The conversations I've had hundreds of times. And um, he said, no, I don't, I don't believe it. You have to understand why people do things the way they do. I said, yeah, that may be true, but nobody's very good at that. So it doesn't matter. Well, I tell you what, I I intend to clean up the living room every night before we go to bed because I made a mess of it. And I've intended it for a long, long yes. time. And uh, it's still dirty <laughs> if I don't actually do something. I want to make an, an admin note here real quick. I, I promised several months ago that I would dedicate a podcast to a husband and wife team who work in our nation's capital, Rob and Ashley Adkerson who work in the office of uh, Barry Loudermilk, who is a representative in the in the House from Georgia. Um, I met them in D.C. They're great people. And they told me the story of having to drive back and forth from Washington, D.C. to Georgia and listening to, they're both professionals, uh, and listening to us for hours and hours and hours on the interstate. And so I wanted to reach out to them and say, I'm thinking about you. It's people like you that make this show successful. And we're glad that we're doing things that help you serve your organization, which in this case is our government. So here's to Rob and Ashley. Thanks, Rob and Ashley. All right. So anyways, I'm sorry. I, I started off on some, some long, <laughs> long tangents. So let's get, to, uh, let's get to what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So I talk to people all the time about, uh, you know, the, the, they feel distracted. They're constantly taking their focus off of their key priorities. And we've talked about a lot of these topics before, but I realized I'd never put them all together. And and generally we keep technology out of the conversation because we want our podcast to be timeless and not timely. And usually the questions are about electronic distractions, but actually it's a bigger problem than that. Um, uh, people don't know what their priorities are, and then there are all kinds of behaviors we engage in that take us away from those. So here's our guidance. 
the first thing you're going to have to do if you want to not be distracted is to know your schedule and your deliverables first. Those things do derive from your priorities, but day to day, I've noticed the look on people's faces when I say know your priorities. They say, yeah, I know them. And I realize, yeah, they know them as well, but they haven't turned that that knowledge into action in the form of day to day, what takes you away from your priorities. And usually it's a function of schedule and deliverables. Second thing you got to do, it sounds very prosaic, guys. You got to clear your desk. Huge problem in my experience and almost everywhere I go, people think their desk is a massive waiting room. It's like, the, it's like I think it's the movie Inside Out, um, the Disney Pixar animated movie about a young girl who goes through depression and what it's like inside her brain. And, you know, people's desks are horrible in terms of focus. I'm, I'm not saying the desks aren't pretty or whatever, but horrible. Then we've all got to learn to turn off distractions. Um, we'll say those again. You've got to learn to only have one application at a time running on your computer, despite all the power your computer has. And the other thing I've learned that is really effective for a lot of people I know that I really admire is to learn to say no for now. Um, for some reason, the idea of a open door policy, which doesn't mean what you think it means, by the way, has turned into, I must be available. And in fact, that's not true. In fact, no highly effective executive would say, I must be available. And so we'll walk through that as well. Good. I think one of the first things that uh, folks often don't focus focus on or the, the thought they have in their head that is wrong, I think, which is, I'm just going to work like crazy and get a lot of stuff done. And the problem is you're not getting the right things done. And yeah. the way to focus on that is to know your schedule and what your deliverables are first. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I could have spent some time talking about just that phrase, but I'll give you a good example. People come to work with, I have a lot to get done. A lot of that is engendered by their technology, the stuff we carry around, the stuff on our desk. We'll talk about that later. But most really effective managers and executives, professionals generally, will tell you that the idea that you know and you're thinking you have a lot to get done is part of the problem. Because you cannot get a lot of things done all at once. Your brain can only think of one thing at a time. And so what, one of the things I try to do, and I'm better at it than I was 10 years ago, is what one thing do I have to do now? The fact that I have 100 things to do is irrelevant and actually deleterious to me if I'm thinking about all those 100 when I'm doing the one, because the other 99, even if they relate to the number one, are not going to help me finish the number one. Most of our tasks are fairly prosaic. I have to send an email or I have to put time on my calendar for email. I have to work through email or I have to attend a meeting or whatever else. But the idea of I have a lot to do today is actually like walking to a desk that's full of stuff. It's actually innervating. It takes away from your ability to focus on one thing. Just that phrase, I have a lot to do, or I'm busy, is, again, it takes away from your ability to get stuff done. But to be more specific to your point about schedule and intervals, every day, folks, if you're a manager, when you get to work, you should, I, I hate that word, but I'm going to use it, you should have already studied your calendar the night before and know what's on your calendar. 
I've told this story before of the White House that the president's schedule is so busy, so packed, so tight that the president is briefed on his schedule a couple of times a day because it changes. And there's a person that goes with the president called his, and at some point, her body man. And that person is in charge of getting the president through his or her calendar, her schedule, her agenda for the day. What happens is the chief of staff, if you will, or the, the scheduling person will say, Mr. President, don't think about your schedule. Think about what you're supposed to be doing in your schedule, and somebody else will think about your schedule. And again, thinking about your schedule during your day, worrying about what's going to happen at two, or asking yourself what's happening today at 10 o'clock in the morning is not useful because if we all have so much work to do, thinking about a scheduled event at two or three o'clock is not effective. That two seconds of thinking about it is, is waste. And so the president's body man follows him around and tells him what's next, which is obviously a result of the morning briefing. And U.S. presidents learn, all of them talk about this, they learn to say to their body man, oh, and by the way, they're scheduled in 15-minute increments. So anybody who's listening to this who thinks they're really busy, there are maybe some of you who are really busy, but you're not as busy as the president or some prime ministers in the world and so on. And, you know, the president learns to turn to his body man and say, what's next? I mean, understand the focus there, folks. During that 15 minutes, he's doing, or she is doing, what they need to do, making a decision, uh, encouraging people to do what they need to do for the next steps on whatever they're working on, plotting strategy, discussing foreign affairs, whatever, whatever it might be. But they're not thinking about their schedule. Somebody else does that for them. Okay. And you can do that too by having thought through your schedule the night before and know what it is. I would not consider it Ludditeian, you know, for someone to be a Luddite to have them carry around a written version of their calendar. I wouldn't. Now, there are some people listening right now who say, oh my God, these people, you know, Mark and Mike, you're showing their age. I've got my phone and so on. Yeah, but you're missing the point. I've got a printed version of my schedule. I'm not going to let it change. I could actually make an arrow with a pencil on it to change the time of a, of a meeting or something. But I see how people interact with phones. I watch people's behavior at work. It's part of my job. And people cannot just look at their calendar on the phone. They're checking texts. They're checking Slack. They're checking email. They're clicking on news. Our phones are a cornucopia of distractions. So not having to think about your calendar, about your schedule, about your diary day to day while you're in the day is the start of this process of focusing. If you do that, a manager who knows what she's doing, she knows what work she needs to complete. She knows where she has to be and when she has to be there. And then in terms of deliverables, Surely you have some way to keep track of deliverables that is not just a running task list that comes in the order that it came out of your head on a piece of paper that are checked off in random order and so on, and it's not prioritized in some way. And certainly you wouldn't have that and your email inbox, and then also a project management, internal project management website, and then a task manager like OmniFoc or something like that. Now you're talking about four, five, six, seven inboxes. It's just insane. And if you are using all of those 
and you're at work and you haven't thought through what your schedule is for the day and what your deliverables are, it's no wonder we feel distracted and it's no wonder we don't get things done on time. So a smart manager knows what work she needs to complete on a given day and what work she needs to begin. Okay. The night before she thinks through what is the same and what is the, what is different about the big picture stuff she's working on, the larger themes. And she compares her thinking about that to what meetings she's attending, what deliverables are critical and maybe which ones have cooled or heated up even over the past few days and your priorities, which then cause the derivation of your schedule and your deliverables. Cause what you have is time and work effort. Your time is your schedule. There's a plan for your time and your deliverables are your work product that support your schedule those two things derive from your priorities and those two things essentially become sort of twin stars in the heavens that guide you through your day. I would say, Mike, less than five, maybe even less than 2% of managers that I know do that. In fact, Judy used to call me for, for stand-up in the morning and she'd say, okay, here's what you have today, which is a normal use of, a, of an admin. If you don't know that, folks, you need to listen to our podcast about the efficient ex- assistant and the effective executive. And I'd say, yep, yep, yep. And she says, you sound like you know this stuff. I said, well, do you really think I get up in the morning and my day will be a surprise? <laughs> you know, at the end of the day or before I go to bed the night before, I think through what my calendar is. And- Often, that's why I'm telling you to make changes in my calendar and communicate that with the other people on my calendar the morning of. I'm not going to call you at two in the morning and leave you a voicemail, um, but I'm going to do it first thing in the morning. I think there's um, an assumption, or, or I, we, we've talked about it before, and I just want to make it explicit, right? Which is that a manager's schedule is reflective of his or her priorities. And a lot of folks, Listening, unfortunately, think of their schedule, their calendar, as being nothing but meetings and not a reflection of their priorities. Yes. I think we've done a whole cast on that, so we don't need to get into here. But but folks, we're, when we talk about your schedule, hopefully you're thinking it's, it's more than just your meetings. It's much more than that, right? Yeah. I would also say that in addition to calendars being used as a place for meetings, I would argue that something that you and I probably need to be reminded about regularly is that most people think their calendar is not theirs. Most people in large organizations that I talk to, they basically believe that there's a culture that is an extension of the open door policy that you cannot say no. And therefore, you might in fact be double booked or put differently. If you have open time and someone requests a meeting you, you can't say no. And that relates to our last point today about learn to say no for now. You need to say learn, you need to learn, we need to learn to say no when something isn't a priority. Now, there are managers who talk to me all the time and say, well, that'll hurt their feelings or that'll be a political issue or whatever. Yeah, okay. We all walk around with these hurt feelings about inability to get things done because we're distracted because our calendar is not our own and so on. People aren't willing to get up out of meetings at five minutes till and say, I'm sorry, I have another meeting. They're not willing to do it. They're willing to go to a meeting that starts 15 minutes late. It's going to end a half an hour late and let someone else ruin their productivity and then feel guilty themselves about their lack of productivity. And it's way better to break an egg in order to insist on, hey, look, I've got priorities. 
In fact, one person said, well, you know, I always watch the CEO and he says, or, you know, I, I got to go to another meeting. I'm sorry. Sorry, we didn't finish this, but I've really got to go to another meeting. And he said, boy, I wish I were the CEO so I could do that. And I said to him, I said, he doesn't do that because he's the CEO. He's the CEO because he did that. It's like, oh, you mean it's not his role power? No. No, that was him making decisions about the priorities he has in life. Now, look, he may have to repair some broken fences when that happens, but the people at the top don't do those things because they're at the top and they can. They're at the top because they did those things and they live their priorities and they hit home runs on the key priorities rather than spreading themselves thin on a hundred different things because they didn't feel they knew what their priorities were or they couldn't fail on any of them. So they end up failing on all of them after a fashion. Those of you who have um, licenses, in addition to the fact that you're going to have access to Roadmap coming out shortly that will help you measure your one-on-ones, measure your feedback, or if you're just starting with manager tools, rolling out one-on-ones, rolling out the Trinity, and so on. But if you have a licensee, of course, you know this, but at the bottom of our show notes, we have a list of the casts that we refer to, other guidance that we refer to that you can use. Click on the link in the show notes and it'll take you to the cast that we refer to here. Okay. I mentioned morning standup. I'll just say it clearly. Morning standup is not the time to learn your calendar if you have an assistant. It's a common misconception. Judy learned that I think the first or second day we did it. Standup is the time to make changes to your calendar based on the review you did the night before. And Folks, we, we agree that your schedule is constantly, your schedule, your priorities are constantly in a state of subtle. It's not as vicious and violent as most people think, but it's in a constant state of flux and we respect that. And that's what a little bit of time the night before is for. Now, if you say to me, Mark, I can't do it the night before. I thought you said I'm not supposed to work long hours. I want to put my family first. I totally agree, folks. Some people would then say, so can I do it next the next morning? We don't recommend that. And the reason why we don't recommend that is because if you get to work and you're looking at your calendar and you realize you've got to make some changes and there's something you would have done differently the night before or in the morning, you're out of luck. So we recommend you do it the night before. But I'm not suggesting you have to do it at 10 o'clock at night. Do it the last thing before you go home. And since everybody complains they're on email too much at night, well, that means they're on email too much at night. So send a note to whomever is affected by any changes you wish to make to your calendar, probably only for your directs and maybe your peers. You're not going to tell your boss, hey, I want to move our meeting uh, on a frequent basis, but send a mail then that night so that other people know that a schedule change is is happening or that you're going to miss a deliverable. We talk about this all the time at Manager Tools, that you don't get to say, oh, I missed that deliverable. It's unprofessional to miss a deliverable and not to have communicated about it because a professional must surely know what his or her deliverables are. And then therefore, if you know what they are and when they're due, by definition, you know, based on your ability to estimate your workload and your priorities and your schedule, whether or not you're going to get the work done by the given time. We just had this conversation with one of our staff members where I, I said, you know, the person said, well, I missed. I said, it's, that's not, I'm sorry, that's not effective. It's not, that's not our standard at all. I don't mind if you miss, 
But you don't get to miss and then report after the fact that you missed. Right. This conversation occurred during a project review where we're going through all the tasks. And that your point is, yeah, you knew you were going to miss well before today. Yeah. As a matter of fact, in this particular case, there were a lot of other deliverables down the line that were dependent upon this particular task. And it's rude. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I use the word professional a lot. I love that word. But forget about professional. If you're somebody who cares about other people, it's just downright rude to know in advance of a deliverable that you're going to miss it and know that there are no island deliverables. No deliverable is an island unto itself. Each one is a part of the continent, a piece of the main. I'm quoting from John Dunn there. You don't get to miss. It's not an individual activity. It's not your opportunity to express your individuality. All you're doing is making other people's lives harder while making yours hypothetically easier while feeling guilty about it. So it's okay to miss. It's not okay to miss and not communicate in advance. And if you're going to miss because you know your deliverables, it would be totally appropriate on a Tuesday evening before you go home to say, send a note and say, hey, look, guys, I'm going to miss my Wednesday deliverable. People would actually cheer. Hey, thanks for letting me know that. Maybe what one of your directs do is say, okay, I'm going to rearrange my schedule because now I have a chance to spend another half an hour or 45 minutes on something that really outranks the deliverable that I was going to work on that was subsequent to yours, and I can do that tomorrow. It happens all the time. If you're communicating, if you know your priorities, and if you've derived your schedule and your deliverables from those priorities. And I'm implying it here, and in the other guidance that's out there, we talk about it, that you can actually say no, and I mentioned it about your schedule, saying no to meetings. Say no, unfortunately, that meeting, which I know is important, everybody will say that, hey, it's important. Yeah, everything's become important, it seems like, because everything's a distraction, because we don't clearly know what our priorities are, and so therefore, we make everything important rather than saying, no, this is the most important thing. And as a result of that, if everything's important, I can't say no, or I'm not willing to say no to somebody I don't know or somebody I do know who I have a relationship with. But I got to tell you, if somebody texted me, even if one of my directs texted me and said, I can't make the meeting, something's come up. I'm like, okay, I trust you. You've got a good reason. I mean, I kind of like to know what it is, but I can go on trust for now. And I, I don't see people doing that. What I see people doing is showing up late, being totally distracted during the meeting and not being useful during the meeting. I just assume you wouldn't come. Right. But hey, that's just me. Let me take you back to the executive assistant for a second, because you said that the morning standup is not the time to learn your calendar, right? You, th you know that the, the night before or before you leave right. work the previous day. And I think a lot of executives, that's exactly, that's exactly how they use the morning standup. So if that's not the purpose of the morning standup, what is the purpose? Standup is the time to make changes to your calendar based on the review you did the night before. You do the same review as the manager without an admin, right? You do that review the night before or when you're leaving work the day before, and you communicate your changes to your admin who then actions them and goes on to hopefully deconflict the conflicts that your changes have created. But if I don't have an admin, I'm still going through the, what are my priorities? What are my schedule? What is my schedule? What are my deliverables? Are the schedule and deliverables aligned with the priorities? Are these the most important things? As David Allen would say, it, you know, wh what is the next task? 
what one thing should I now be doing? Not all 1700, but what one thing should I be doing and how does that affect my schedule and my other deliverables for the day? If you don't have an admin, you do that in your head and then you send emails or whatever. Saves you a bunch of time if you have an admin that I can say, okay, no, move this. And that means Judy would have to communicate with two or three people. Hey, that's going to move for a half an hour here or there, or no, I'm not doing that. Roadmap is coming out in a month. And in order to do that, my priorities have now changed because of an opportunity we see in the marketplace. And so therefore, this thing that used to be priority three is now priority five. And priority five is not going to happen for three weeks. And that's my decision. And somebody might come back to me and say, no, this is really more important than that. Okay, let's have a discussion. Let's discuss priorities. Let's discuss value. Let's discuss time and schedule and so on. Happy to do that. I almost never get people talking to me about priorities. They want to talk about schedule. And the implication is the schedule is deriving from priorities. But I actually think we should go to root cause, which is what are the priorities? Judy and I talk about that all the time. I say, what's most important? What's most important? Right? She's like, well, I said, it's, it's the same answer every time. And then we derive from there. Now, look, the changes you make in planning, schedule and deliverables, result from your awareness. Sometimes that awareness is political. Sometimes it's direct. It's clearly communicated. Sometimes it's intuited of your priorities, your deliverables, your boss's priorities and deliverables, and the organization's priorities. And we get it, guys. Um, we hear this all the time. There's a theme from managers that I talk to that I'm not in control. You know, Mark, I th one guy said to me a couple weeks ago, I think you've forgotten what it's like to have a boss. And I, I, because I had mentioned that I hadn't had a boss in 25 years, I said, well, it's like becoming CEO that you think finally I won't have a boss. And then suddenly the board of 12, all are former CEOs and all think of themselves as your boss. And they all have an ego as big as yours. And we, we of course have customers and clients, all those factors above you, everyone feels them, not just you. Even the CEO of your company feels it. And they're always in a subtle state of flux. In the big picture, initiatives and projects are constantly overlapping, being reworked. One project doesn't just end suddenly and then they say, okay, new project starts next day. A bunch of stuff is going on all at once. Some things are ascendant. Some things are dying that used to be the cat's meow in the organization. Some are inarguable. This is our our North Star. And some of them are still up for debate. I'm generally not a very creative person, but I will tell you that I fastened upon an idea here that I want to share with everybody. The totality of the work of your organization is a bit like a mural being created. And all of the interplay of all a mural bunch of tiles stuck to a wall to create a picture, different colored tiles. And it's the interplay of all the tasks, all the priorities and investments, creating a productive outcome, which would be a beautiful resplendent sort of mural on a wall. But it's only the organization in total that can be seen as that gigantic mosaic. Your work, our work on any given day is only one piece of that mural. Think of it as you're contributing one tile every day to that mural. The manager's goal every day is not to try to replicate the mural in miniature. 
but rather to make that one contributed tile as good, as vivid, as appropriate as possible. The mural is not created atomically with every tile being the mural. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see the picture. It'd be fractal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. It'd be a fractal. Your tile might be vivid blue one day and then vivid orange the next day. Those happen to be Manitor Tools colors. But the mural, overall, the mural may be of a seascape and the primary color is green. But you're contributing a blue or an orange. Guys, and what I mean by this is you cannot attempt to be making adjustments to your priorities and your tasks every hour, every minute. It's ludicrous. It is actually the abandonment of decision-making to think that you are so busy, so connected, so wired in, so aware of all the political winds, all of the subtle things that you should be making 20, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 changes a day based on all these subtle things. No. We have to be willing, as Dale Carney once said, to live your life in watertight compartments. If you're thinking right now, if you're listening to me and you're saying, no, Mark doesn't understand, I would argue, actually, I do, and I think you're the one that doesn't understand. At some point, you have to stop thinking about all the changes, and you actually have to do. You can't spend all of your time in the car looking at the map. You have to set the map aside and drive. And I think there are too many people with all the distractions, with all the technology, with all the various communication technologies and so on, that we're constantly adjusting. I would suggest that the people who are really, really great are not constantly adjusting. There's a point at which they're simply driving, which they're simply focused. Instead of looking at the mural, they are focused on that one tile and they are going to make that perfect. And they are not worried about what any other person in the company at all is doing with their darn tile. I don't care. My tile today is going to get the stuff done. I need to get done so I can contribute. If everybody else is worrying about everybody else, everybody's going to end up with a gray tile. At some point, action on existing priorities has to take precedence over taking stock of the changes in all of our priorities. If everything, like I said before, if everything is important, nothing is. Now, look, guys, I get it. You say, well, I get interrupted. I got that this happens and that happens and so on. Yeah, okay. I get that your work will be interrupted by new demands and changes. But a lot of those changes are on schedule and deliverables, but not on priorities. If the organization's mural changes, and I, it doesn't change as often as people say it does, there are just bumps in the road, those changes do intrude onto your daily efforts once they go through the filtering process of, okay, organizational change, what does that mean for priority change? What does that mean for schedule and deliverable change? But as a general rule, those changes require adding them to your list of deliverables and responsibilities and priorities rather than actioning them right now to the detriment of all of your previous responsibilities and deliverables. It's not your job to be a weather vane or a compass and constantly adjusting. At some point, you have to stop and say, nope, I'm locked and I'm doing this. And what I've discovered is the people who are really great stay locked for one day. And there are a lot of young people that I think are learning and old people too, frankly, that are learning that I must not be locked. I must always be immediately available for any shift in any way, shape, or form. 
therein lies the problem, right? Because they think that way. And then every time they get a new task, it immediately goes to the top of the pile or gets worked on right away. <laughs> that's yeah. that's not a great recipe for success. Urgency replaces priority. And urgency is necessary at times, but it derives from priorities. Just because you can go fast doesn't mean you'll win the race, right? If you don't know where you're going, you won't get there because there's no there there, right? You're not headed in the right direction because there is no direction. Okay, so your point about, hey, it goes right to the top of their pile. It gets worked on right away. I've got a new thing to do. I've got a minute right now. I'll do it. Now, guys, when something new comes in, in fact, now that I think about it, a new task comes in, it's just like having to check email constantly. I'm looking for new tasks. I'm constantly adjusting based on every new email I'm getting. No, that's part of the reason why you only check email three times a day so that you can be to some degree insulated from all the changes. Now, you might say, well, I can't insulate. I have to be aware. No, you don't. You get on an airplane, you're completely insulated because the Wi-Fi sure as heck doesn't work. You go to a meeting and your boss is smart and she says, okay, we're going to use a fruit bowl. That means all the Blackberries and all the apples, all the iPhones and everything else go in the bowl. And we're going to focus for half an hour, 45 minutes. Did you say all the Blackberries? Well, yeah, but that's where fruit bowl derives. And we actually have a podcast about fruit, the fruit bowl, right? Oh, okay. Remember being at Credit Suisse all the, those years ago? And oh, I remember. I just think. EVP said, somebody asked the question of the EVP we were working with and says, well, what happens if my people are distracted? And she looked at him like, you have a problem with your people being distracted? Well, they're always on their phones. Well, have them put their phones in a bowl in the middle. We call it the fruit bowl for the blackberries and the apples. It's a historical reference, folks. It's a historical reference. We know there are not a lot of them out there now. Yeah. And this other VP says, well, I can't do that. And the EVP, this very effective, very successful senior person looks at him and goes, why not? I do it all the time. Oh, okay. The guy she was talking to was, I mean, he probably had a couple hundred people in his organization and didn't even know that you could insist on meeting ground rules and turning off your phones and so on. And those phones are both a result of us feeling distracted, I've got to check, and the source of our distraction. So you don't work on everything new immediately. You consider it and you often deal with it later. It gets compared to your priorities and your schedule and your deliverables. Yeah, of course there are times, right? The boss says they need it today, but that's less often than people think. I just wanna make a point that when do you decide? You don't decide in the moment because that then increases your time for every single new potential task. You do that when you've set aside time for it, time for your calendar, time for your schedules. Often it can be when you're doing email. Okay, I'm gonna do that. You know, I'm, I'm gonna answer this email and say, yes, I'll get that to you. And I'm gonna do that between eight and 8.30 tomorrow morning. But you're right. Bosses will say to us periodically, now, I need it now, I, you know, today, okay? And hopefully that reminds us of one of the primary rules of scheduling, which is leaving time free every day to address these new ingredients. That's part of the reason, and I've, I think I've said it a bunch of times over the past 12, 13 years, that people do feel meetinged out. They do feel overwhelmed and don't have time for their own stuff because they have meetings chock-a-block from nine until till five. 
Of course, the problem with that is that's a result of thinking that your calendar is available to everyone for any meeting ever, and you have to say yes to every meeting. It's like a a race for land, for real estate on other people's calendars. There's all kinds of things you can do about that. You can schedule every hour-long meeting for 45 minutes. You can start having one-on-ones with your directs if you're listening now and you're not doing one-on-ones and you're a manager. Maybe you only started listing this week, but if you want to reduce the amount of time you spend in worthless meetings, start having really focused meetings with each of your directs and you'll discover they'll need less time with you. And you can say no, and you can leave time in your day. Heck, you could do it right now. Look at your calendar a month from now and discover, folks, that there's nothing on it. Now, put the things that you have to do every day on your calendar right now. That would be email three times a day. Yes, only three times a day. And during the non-scheduled, non-email scheduled times of the day, you will not look at email. Because believe me, if your boss sends you an urgent email, and you don't respond because you are not on email, she will, if it is in fact urgent, and if she's dumb enough to believe that there's such a thing as an urgent email, she will then text you or call you. And if you look down and you're in a meeting and you get a call from your boss, I'm sure you're going to step out of that meeting and hopefully at least step out of the meeting and answer the call. Or if you ignore it the first time because your phone's in the fruit bowl, but it keeps buzzing, you're probably going to get a dispensation from the meeting manager. Go, okay, whoever's got that, it sounds like you've got a, a problem go ahead, step outside, take care of it. So another thing I just want to mention, if your boss constantly does that, if your boss constantly drops urgent things, which essentially are high priority things, and they end up being urgent and needing to be done, but they end up being maybe not high priority, your boss is really messing with the Stephen Covey taught, you know, valuable and urgency model and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But that boss is pretty well likely a bad boss and probably to be avoided. And maybe we ought to ask ourselves whether or not we're one of those people that are dictating deadlines to our people because we're smart and we know all the parties. And so we're going to tell them what we're, what they're going to do and when they're going to do it, which essentially cuts their legs out from underneath them. And that makes you a bad boss. And we've talked before, if you have a bad boss, go find a new one. Also remember as a manager, you've got two types of deliverables we need to worry about here. One the things you owe other people, and also the things other people owe you. And usually the others we're talking about here are your directs. You have an obligation as a manager to not only know what you owe to the organization or to somebody else, but also who on your team owes you what and by when. And this is where an awful lot of managers go wrong, thinking that their work as a manager is independent of their team when it is in fact your work is inextricable from your directs work. So knowing your calendar and the deliverables that are around that, the work, the tasks you have, and then committing to them are core behaviors for effective managers. Being faithful to your daily deliverables, despite your boss and politics and changes and distractions and so on, is actually where focus starts. And I just want to mention something here, sort of a final note on this first topic. It's funny. Do you know why they call the things that get in our way distractions? No, I don't. (laughs) Because it takes us away. That's the dis part of the word from where we are supposed to be attracted to. Okay. The word traction, traher, the Latin root and so on. 
So I would recommend if you believe that your goals, your priorities, your deliverables, or your, your priorities and therefore your scheduling deliverables and your direct deliverables are useful, are valuable, you've committed to them, in a way, you're attracted to them. You want them to be, you know, that's magnetic north, if you will, and you want to be like a compass and be attracted to them. All those distractions disattract you from your daily goals. If you want to do more useful work and to not feel distracted, avoid the disattractions. Stay attracted to your priorities by knowing them, whatever they are, and then fighting for them. And that means being willing to say they're more important than every other person in the organization or any other person at any given time in, in certain situations. Don't say yes to everything. You say yes to everything, and suddenly you don't have any priorities at all. Yeah. So stay attracted like the north end of a needle on a compass is exactly. attracted to, to, to north, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a reputation of people who tend to be, oh, I hate the phrase laser focused, but, uh, you know, that person, boy, he's like a bulldog. He never gives up and so on. And then, therefore, too often, that person is often a high D in the disc, a dominant person, and they have sharp elbows and they irritate people. You can be a high I or a high S and a high or a high C and, and be able to say, I'm really sorry, I can't do that today. I have a major deliverable, which we've all said. Or I appreciate that. I know we need a half an hour. I can do that tomorrow morning. I can't do it this afternoon. I have two deliverables due at five o'clock. And oh, by the way, if you have good relationships with the people around you who are most likely tasking you, asking you, pushing you, um, begging you for time or attention or whatever, if you have good relationships with them, they'll respect that. But if you don't, if you haven't spent time on your relationships, it gets harder to do that. Yeah. And those relationships, that's part of uh, True North, by the way. <laughs> right? Exactly. Okay. Cool. This is, um, this is great. And... We got a lot to cover. I don't think we're going to cover it today. Oh, yeah. So, next week? All right, my friend. Enjoyed it. Thanks, partner. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll continue on this topic next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. 